Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number nine, Angels and UFOs. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. This is the show that teaches you the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. Are you ready to take the red pill, Zena? I am. I'm Scott, and I'm here with Zena today. We're going to continue our discussion. Last episode, remember, we were talking about the coming war in heaven. Yes, we were. And so today we're going to talk about, believe it or not, angels and UFOs. Are you guys ready? <laughs> I hope they are, because I think there's something that could possibly be going on right now that is setting the stage for a really interesting deception. Last week, remember, Zena, we talked about when the devil's going to be cast out by Michael and his angels in this coming war. They're going to be cast down to the earth, and they're going to be laid before kings. We're going to see them, right? Yes. So what's going to be the explanation they're going to give for why they're here? It definitely can't be that they lost their fight with Michael and now they're here. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that you know the devil being a liar anyway, he's not going to say the truth of what happened. And oh, he's no. certainly not going to admit defeat. Right? <laughs> no, not at all. So we're going to discuss the idea. Now remember, Revelation chapter 12 last week was where we focused our attention. And it was in verse 7 where we read there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought in his angels. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And so we talked about their realm is in the heavens, the starry heavens or the second heaven. Yes. And the great dragon is, was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So can you imagine the devil and his angels appearing on the earth now, confined to the earth, Physically before us, mm -hmm. uh, with so nobody can deny there's a devil, you know, <laughs> whatever. And so now we're going to figure out if Satan and his angels will ultimately be cast out of heaven and confined to the earth prior to Christ's return, what are they possibly going to say is the reason for their loss? Okay. Now, before we get to that, before we answer that question, we're going to mm -hmm. go to a book in the New Testament called First Peter. Peter was one of the 12 apostles. Okay. And he wrote some letters, and this is one of them. And in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he wrote in verse 8, Be sober, which really we think about not drinking, but soberness means being aware and serious, you know. Yes. When you're drunk, you're unaware of your surroundings. Very true. <laughs> so soberness in the Bible really has more to do, be with don't be caught off guard, mm -hmm. you know. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring 
lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you think about a lion eating a person. (laughs) What a horrifying (laughs) thought, right? And people refer to this passage. A lot of Christians use it today. You might have even heard of it before. And they use it as a reference to the devils like a lion walking around. Well, he's not now. He will be. Peter is writing to the group of individuals that are going to be living during that time when this war takes place and he's cast down. So when he's confined to the earth, we had read earlier in the book of Revelation that once he's there, he's going to have a lot of anger because he knows he only has a little bit of time left. And in that anger, he's going to persecute believers of that generation, if you will, particularly the Israel that's going to turn back to God. So he's going to be trying to kill people all over the place, and he's going to be using the body and the man of the Antichrist, as it were, to do so. Um, So it's at that time he's like a roaring lion because he's confined to the earth, and now there's nothing to stop him from killing as many as he can. Now, are they saying like his appearance when he comes on earth, he's going to actually literally be a lion or? He won't literally be a lion in his appearance. Okay. Metaphorically speaking, what's interesting is the devil was an angel that wanted to be God. Mm-hmm. All right. According to the Bible, Jesus is the son of God. Jesus was born a Jew mm-hmm. from the tribe of Israel named Judah. Okay. And Judah was, he had 12, 11 brothers. And when Israel, before he died, he blessed those sons and he gave each one of them sort of a special blessing. And he said about Judah that he was like a lion's whelp, which is a young lion. And he talks about um, the scepter would not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. And Shiloh is a name of Jesus, is another name of the peace bringer. Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah. And he's known, one of his names, he has many names, he's known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's why many times kings over history have always had lions as their symbol. But till the true king comes, I'd rather not have a monarch over me. You know? Very true. Because we see how dictators are, no, right? Oh my goodness, we do. <laughs> so having some form of liberty is a good thing until the true king comes. But there's a imposter, an imposter king, and here he is. So when the devil comes down, he's going to declare himself to be God in some form. So hence, he's like a lion, but he's not coming as the lion of Judah. He's coming as a lion to devour. Okay. So he's the bad guy always, but always trying to imitate God. So that's when you think about it. So everything about that, and incidentally, this phrase about the roaring lion comes from an Old Testament Scripture. Interesting thing about the Bible is it really does interpret itself. If you know how to look for it, and that's why we unlock mysteries here, is because I don't have to just guess. I don't have to, hmm, I wonder what he means by a roaring lion. You know, I could say whatever I want about that. I could talk about, oh, he's going to be a hairy, four-legged cat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but in reality, it's a reference to another passage, and that's what the Bible's great about. It interprets itself. That passage is found in an Old Testament prophet called Ezekiel. All right, so we'll go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 22, and we will find there, verse 25, there's a context about Israel and her bad prophets. So the prophets, there were true prophets of God, and there were false prophets, like we have 
good leaders and we have bad leaders. Mm -hmm. That's the same kind of thing. And in verse 25, uh, Ezekiel wrote, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, her being Israel, likened to a nation but in the feminine. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. What is the roaring lion of the devil trying to do, seeking whom he may devour? He's devouring souls. Now, why does he want souls? He's trying to prevent men from getting saved. People talk about selling their souls to the devil. You can't literally do that. Anybody can be part of God's redemptive plan through the man Jesus. Uh, But people act as though if you do this certain thing, you've gone too far and you've sold your soul to the devil. Well, he doesn't show up with a contract and you write in blood, (laughs) you know. Uh, It's symbolic of things, maybe from Hollywood standpoint. Mm -hmm. But in reality... If you simply don't trust God's plan of salvation, you're by default one of his. Mm-hmm. Satan, he has your soul, you know. But God can redeem any soul. There's nobody that can't be redeemed. Yeah. Okay. So the devil wants men's souls because he doesn't want God to be victorious. If God's aim is that all men be saved and become and come back to him, the devil's aim is to stop that from happening. Yes. So if the devil could prevent men from seeing God's truth, he's devoured their soul, okay, so to speak. They will end up where he's going to end up. I guess misery loves company because ultimately the end of the devil is the lake of fire. Which I would not want to be at. <laughs> I wouldn't want anybody to be there. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. No. You know? <laughs> we're going to get to one podcast at some point where we're going to take a book called e- Ecclesiastes. And there's a verse in there that says, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before. And you think about our technology today and how advanced we are from, say, our ancestors. Yeah. We can go to the moon. We can shoot nuclear weapons. <laughs> we, can, uh, we have cell phones and stuff like that. Nothing new under the sun. We don't know what technology they had before. Yeah, that makes me wonder. Before the flood of Noah, I think, you know. Or for that matter, what was the technological abilities of the angels that occupied the earth before God made man? That's true. If they were advanced, Mm -hmm. and there's every reason to believe that they would have been more advanced than we are. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know how long they were on the earth before Lucifer and his rebellion. Could have been eons. There wasn't really any time recorded. Yeah. Right? There wasn't time. So we don't know how advanced they became. Um, we're going to see something here today where some angels of God show up in a vision to Ezekiel, the same prophet here, and they are in vessels. They're in crafts of some kind. Yep. (laughs) And they look for all the world like flying saucers. (laughs) (laughs) They're aliens. (laughs) That's right. So we asked the question last week, and I'm going to make it a little more succinct today. What explanation will Satan, the dragon, and his angels give for their appearance to mankind? They're going to be cast out of heaven by Michael and his angels. Mm -hmm. You think they're going to reveal their defeat and expulsion from God or tell a lie to cause the world to accept them? They're definitely going to tell a lie because when has Lucifer ever told the truth? Exactly. He's a liar, and the Bible says he's a liar and the father of it. Mm -hmm. Okay? But... When they come, it's going to meet the timing of something that 
the Apostle Paul foretold. So let's look at a prophecy that he gave in the book of 2 Thessalonians. That's a tongue twister. Yes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Thessalonica was a city in Greece. Okay. But Paul says something in verse 7 of chapter 2 of this letter, 2 Thessalonians. He says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, there's something about that letting and let. Something referred to as a he is holding back something called the mystery of iniquity. And it's in the way. And it's going to stay in the way. It's slowly allowing something to be revealed. But at some point, it's going to be taken out of the way. And yeah. when it does, verse 8 says, and then shall that wicked be revealed. So I believe the he in the context has to do with the people today that are Christian believers. The Bible refers to them in the masculine as the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's male in a sense. Okay. Okay. Because we're his body and he is Jesus, the son of God. So we're holding back the revealing of something called the mystery of iniquity, even though it's already working. It's working behind the scenes. It's a mystery, but something's preventing it from being full bore, come on out and show who I am, okay? And then verse 8 says, then shall that wicked be revealed. So when the body of Christ is taken out of the way, and last week we talked about something called a rapture, which is another mystery. We're going to be taken out of the way. One of the reasons why we have to go out quickly and punch through enemy lines is so the battle can start with the angels. Yes. But another reason is because we're being taken out of the way. This stuff can't happen until God takes his people out. Okay. We're ambassadors. You don't start a war with your ambassadors still in the other country. Very true. You bring them home before you launch your <laughs> missiles, right? Yeah. So then shall that wicked be revealed. Who's the wicked? whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So a time of great wrath is coming. All right. God's not pouring his wrath out on the world today. He's allowing men to be pretty wicked. You know? Yes. He'll save anybody that will trust him, but he doesn't interfere like he did in the days of like Sodom and Gomorrah or Noah or whatever. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do that. We have government to punish wickedness, but sometimes they go away. They get away. You know, they get away with it. So at this point, this individual who's coming is called that wicked. We're going to find out he's named the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out he's going to be powered by Satan, probably because when he's killed with the sword, Satan's going to bring him back to life. And his name at that point in the Bible is referred to, he's called the Beast. The Beast. And uh, at that point, he's sort of like a, a zombie, if you will. He's a human body with Satan dwelling in him. Yeah. And he says that he does this with all power and signs and lying wonders. So a lying wonder is basically going to be a miracle that's meant to deceive. You know, Satan can perform miracles. Mm -hmm. 
but they're not for good purposes. Right. Now, what could be the deception? All right, that's what we're going to talk about. We know there's going to be a deception. Mm -hmm. Satan's behind it. He's got a man called that wicked who's going to produce it. Yes. Or present it. And in verse 11 of the same chapter we read, for this cause, because men won't receive the truth, they won't accept God's plan, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So what that means is God is sending the delusion. God is going to allow Satan to do miracles and signs and wonders. He could stop him if he wanted to immediately, right? God's in control. He could stop it altogether. But he wants to allow it to go through its course because he wants to see, will humanity choose him or reject him? So this strong delusion sent by God is going to be because there are people that reject him. What they're going to reject him for is this man of sin. So God is going to send the strong delusion. And notice it says that they should believe a lie. Now, why does he want them to believe this lie? Well, verse 12 said that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. They've got the opportunity to believe the truth. They're going to reject that truth. Okay. And because they reject that truth, they're going to be damned. How is God going to identify the ones who believed not the truth so that they would be damned. I mean, God could know who they are regardless. Yeah. But since he reveals things and he demonstrates things, we already know that there's something about the beast that people are going to do. They're going to worship him, and they're also going to take his mark. There's something called the mark of the beast. Now, what is his mark? Well, that's where we're going to get into this thing about angels and UFOs. Okay. Because there's something about the mark that's connected to his name and the number of his name, and the number of his name is 666. So three sixes. Yes. So people for many, many, many ages have recognized that number as a satanic number, whatever, Mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. And so much of the world has always thought that it's going to be like a stamp or a tattoo in your forehead or in your hand. Because the Bible says the mark will be in their forehead or in their hand. Three sixes on your head, you know? Right. There's even been Satan worshiping people that make a big deal out of it. And they take pictures of themselves with 666 on their head, you know? <laughs> Aleister Crowley was a man that was a well-known Satan-worshipping guy. And he wrote a lot of satanic books and things like that. I mean, what an obvious thing. If you saw somebody with 666 tattooed to their forehead, you might walk on the other side of the street right? if they were coming towards you, you know? So this is a deception. It's a lie, and it's a strong delusion. So that, to me, is a little too obvious. That's going to be something that anybody would want to steer yeah. clear from. So what is the mark, and what does it have to do with? Remember, Satan's being cast out of heaven. He's coming down to be confined to the earth. In the book of John, John the apostle that was one of the twelve, in chapter 8, we read these words at verse 42. And this is Jesus speaking. He was speaking to a bunch of religious leaders in Israel. They were called Pharisees. Mm -hmm. They were sort of like a, it's sort of like you had two sects in Judaism at the time that were predominant. One was called Sadducees, 
and the other was called Pharisees. And the modern equivalent would be like Democrats and Republicans. Okay. <laughs> so you talk about division. They had it, you know. But Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, and he said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Mm-hmm. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You cannot hear my word. What is it about these Pharisees that they cannot hear his word? Remember, they're the ones that didn't want him. They're the ones that crucified him. Okay? They were the religious leaders of Israel. Yeah. And here's why. It says in verse 44. Now watch this. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning Mm -hmm. and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. You even said that earlier about the devil's going to lie because he always does, right? (laughs) He says, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar. And watch this. And the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. So Christ is upbraiding. The Pharisees, the only people he ever called names were the religious leaders, and they had political power. So they were, in effect, politicians. Okay. Whenever Christ spoke, he always spoke very kindly, unless he spoke about politicians. He called them, you're the father of the devil. He called them vipers, serpents, and hypocrites. Why is that? Because they were. (laughs) But why only them, though? Because they were the ones trying to hide the truth about him from the people. Okay. And they're no different than today. It's the same thing. We have modern-day Pharisees. Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) And they try to hide the truth from people. Notice he said he was a liar from the beginning, but the father of it. Now, people call the devil the father of lies, Mm -hmm. plural. And, And it's true. But that's not what he meant when he said he's the father of it. Okay? God said he would send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie. Not every lie, not many lies, a lie. A specific one. A specific one. He's the liar and the father of it. A lie. This lie. The lie that's coming, the strong delusion God's going to allow to take place with, that is going to be manifest through the devil mm-hmm. and his man, the beast, is a lie. It, the lie. What is the big lie that the world is going to believe? Remember last week I told you, What could possibly be the thing that would cause the entire world to throw away thousands of years of their religious beliefs and faith and switch to another way of thinking? Mm -hmm. Because right now, how many battles have there been over religion in the history of mankind? Too many to count. Too many to count. (laughs) And and there's been so much bloodshed, and, and not always were the wars religious in nature, but I do believe that they were manipulated by very powerful people. Mm-hmm. There was something more sinister going on. So I don't believe in the accidental view of history. I mm-hmm. think very powerful people have always been manipulating things behind the scenes because we know there's princes, angelic fallen yeah, princes, those, right? Uh, fallen angels. That are behind all that. So something big is coming that's a lie. So is it possible that Satan is preparing the world to believe that he and his angels are from another planet? bringing wisdom and light, peace and technology, the next phase of human evolution. It could be possible. It's possible. They show up. They've been cast out of heaven. They can't say, I'm the devil and I lost. Mm -hmm. 
So what are they going to say? What would be a perfect deception? Well, what if they use the idea of aliens? Yeah. They're from another planet. Mm -hmm. All right. First of all, that would shock the entire world system of faith and belief that centuries have given us. Mm -hmm. You know, because now we're not alone. It could be proven. Technically not Technically, alone. right? <laughs> it would be a great deception. And uh, why would they say anything about your next phase of evolution? You know, assuming men believe in evolution, the idea is we started off as amoebas and then we turned into right? fish. And, and now we're aliens next. Now, so where do we go to next? Now we're human. What's next? And much of the world does believe that we're evolving to a greater level. Well, what's, what's higher than a man on the earth? A god. There you go. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Bingo. So, would Satan tell that kind of a lie? Has he done it before? Oh, yeah. That's his favorite lie to tell. Isn't it? Go to Genesis 3. We'll, we'll see the lie because we've already talked about this in previous episodes. But it was right there in the garden, the first big lie, right? Verse 4, and the serpent, this is Genesis 3, verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Eve, mm -hmm. Ye shall not surely die if you eat this fruit. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. She took the fruit, and she did eat. And it says in verse 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Satan has always said, you can be like a god and know what I know. Like the gods, if you do this, mm -hmm. if you do this, right? In their case, it was to eat a fruit. Now, Ezekiel chapter 1, we're going to segue into another thought for just a moment. Because we're trying to tie in, is it possible there is a connection between angels and aliens, all right? Let's go see some angels that do appear to Ezekiel, and they're good angels. They're mm -hmm. God's angels, all right? And we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 1. You might recall in a previous episode that we talked about the sea of glass, Yes, the that's frozen. what's like a, mm -hmm. the barrier that's keeping 
where God is at from where we are, well, where Satan's at and then where we're at. That's right. That's right. And we remember seeing a vision that Ezekiel had where God appeared to him in his throne, seated on that sea, and below that sea were these four cherubs. Yes. And they were sort of like underneath it, holding it up, as it were. It's like their wings were touching the firmament of that floor, Mm -hmm. right? Well, this is back to that passage when we were talking about that. Okay. And verse 14 says, In the living creatures, these four cherubs, it says, Ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, that's pretty fast motion. Lightning, you know? Very quick. Like that. Ran and returned. So these living creatures, which are called cherubs in this later in the passage, can move fast. Now, watch something about these creatures in verse 15. Now, as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. Remember, cherubs have four faces. Yeah. The appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a barrel, which is a stone, and they four had one likeness. And their appearance and their work was, as it were, a wheel in the midst of a wheel. When they went, the wheel, they went upon their four sides, and they turned not when they went. As for their rings, rings of the wheel, Mm -hmm. they were so high that they were dreadful, and their rings were full of eyes round about them four. Now, eyes would probably be symbolic of lights. Mm -hmm. The eye is the light of the soul, so to speak. When the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Thither was their spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up over against them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheel. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. So everything about this was these cherubims seemed to be connected to this vessel of wheels. Now, if you were looking at a flying saucer, and it turned on its side, what would it look like? Is it just like thin or you wouldn't be able to see it? It would look like a wheel, right? Really? If you picked oh, it, okay, okay, pick okay. up a plate, uh-huh. hold, hold a saucer in your hand, and then flip it on its side. It does look like a wheel. It's like a wheel. Or, or if you turned it even to face you, mm-hmm. it's like a disc in the sky, you know, if it was floating, right? Mm-hmm. So he's seeing something like disc-like wheels in the sky that are associated with these angels that move quickly back and forth. UFOs do that, don't they? Mm-hmm. When pilots have described them, they're unidentified, so they can't say it's a, it's a rocket or a, yeah. a plane. Mm-hmm. And when they move, they move so fast, they usually just like... We don't have this kind of technology, you know, mm-hmm. at least when they describe them. Now, I've always been a skeptic of UFOs. You know, I don't know if I believe that guy. I was sitting in my field and this thing came down <laughs> and they probed me, you know. I'm not so sure if that's true, but maybe there is something to that, which we're going to find out in a minute, mm-hmm. because something has recently been declassified in the United States government. And people may not be aware of this, but there are UFOs. And the government's even admitting that. Really? It's true. I'm going to show that to you in a minute. Before we get that, though, is it possible that this thing in Ezekiel was a early prophet's description 
of something that we might describe as a UFO, as no a doubt. flying saucer, a wheel within a wheel, something <laughs> that moves like lightning. Yeah. You know, how would a man from that century describe something like that when he's never even seen an airplane? Yeah. Or even a kite for that matter. They didn't have phones. <laughs> right. We don't know what they had, right? <laughs> Another prophet, Zechariah, sees something that flies too. And it's really interesting. It's Zechariah chapter 5. He's another prophet from the Torah, the Old Testament. And in chapter 5, we'll notice in verse 1, Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll. Now, before you think like I do, <laughs> I think dinner rolls. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Mm, I'm hungry now. <laughs> Crescent or dinner, you know. But the roll there is actually what you might today say scroll. Okay. And back then, books were scrolls. They were written out. I mean, they didn't have the ways to bind pages like a book that you understand as a modern book. Mm -hmm. So they wrote things and they rolled them up around a piece of wood or something. And it was contained in a, with a top and a bottom and it was called a roll. Okay. And we'll see a picture of that in just a moment. And he said unto me, what seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits and the breadth thereof 10 cubits. A cubit is about the distance from your elbow to your fingertip, approximately 18 inches. So he's seeing a flying roll that's about 30 feet by 15 feet. Then saith he unto me, this is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For everyone that stealeth shall be cut off as on this side according to it, and everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side according to it. And I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house, and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. And he's not talking about the flying roll that enters the house. He's talking about the curse of it. All right? I don't know what that curse is, but it seems to be like something that emanates from this flying roll is causing this curse to happen, and it brings corruption, and it's like a, it's like a, a plague, as it were, mm -hmm. possibly. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, lift up now thine eyes. And notice there's an angel involved. Okay. Now, we already saw four cherub angels with four wheels. Yeah. Right? Here's another angel, and he's seeing a flying roll. And now he says, The angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and, say, and see what it is that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, Moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. This is their, plural, resemblance through all the earth. They resemble an ephah. Now, an ephah is a word nobody uses today. Yeah, what is that? An ephah is, an, um, is a measure. So you could say liters, gallons, and it's a dry measure. So in this case, it could be like cups, bushels, whatever. Okay. So an ephah has its own measurement of, of what the Hebrews used at the time, but it also refers to the container that holds it. So you could say, uh, this is a measuring cup. Now, a cup is eight ounces, but a measuring cup that holds eight ounces is also called a cup. Or a glass that can hold eight ounces can be called a cup. Mm -hmm. A coffee mug is a cup. But you don't necessarily pour eight ounces in. I'm a coffee mug every time. You know, if you get like a large Starbucks, it's more than eight ounces. Right. right? But it still comes <laughs> in a cup. So the ephah 
is a unit of measure, but it also represents the container that holds it, like a cup. Mm -hmm. All right, but in this case, it's a bigger than bigger than a cup. So the ephah has a shape to it, historically, that looks something like, uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. It, it looks kind of like a basket, and that's what they would have used, either baskets or clay vessels, that are round and squashed, sort of in the middle. Have you ever seen like uh, stereotypical um, Hollywood-type things where they show a snake charmer? playing a flute, yes. and a cobra comes out of a basket. Mm -hmm. That's very similar to an ephah, Okay. if you can picture that in your mind. And I'm doing that for the benefit of those that are listening, and we don't have a way to show them. Mm -hmm. you know. So it says that if this is their resemblance to all the earth. Now let's look at the Hebrew words themselves for the roll, the flying roll, and the ephah. First of all, the roll is the Hebrew word megillah, and it's translated as both roll and book and writing. Okay. In the Bible. So the Megillah, now you see a picture of a oh, scroll. You get an image okay. of it. You can see how paper or vellum wraps around a pole or post. And imagine one of those 30 by 15 feet and flying. And more importantly, if when you roll it up, which is probably what he's referring to, instead of being unfurled like this picture shows, like you're going to read it. Mm -hmm. When you roll it up and you're done and you store them, they look like this. Okay. If you were a 500 BC prophet and you saw one of those flying, it looks like a missile, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd be very confused. Can you imagine? If you saw a missile today and you were from 500 BC, how would you describe that? <laughs> it looks like a flying roll. Right? <laughs> so that's one possibility, right? The ephah is that same word. They didn't change the Hebrew. They kept it and they just gave it English letters. Okay. And there must have been a reason why. But as we discussed, it's a dry measure, a quantity, and it's also the receptacle for or measuring or holding that amount. All right? Here's what an ephah kind of looks like. Okay. This is their resemblance through all the earth. Now, what if that was flying? Looks a little bit like a UFO, doesn't it? It does. Sort of like a flying saucer. There's a lid to this. You can see that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's read further in the book of Zechariah. The angel says, what do you see now? He says, I see an ephah. So he's seeing, and he's looking up, so it's in the sky. Mm -hmm. All right. He says, this is their resemblance through all the earth, so there's more than one. In verse 7, and behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead. Now talent is another unit of measure. It has to do with measuring metal. In this yeah. case, he says a talent of lead. I don't know if it was actual lead, but lead is gray. It's got a metal look to it, right? Lifted up a talent of lead. And this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. So imagine looking at this basket. We're, we're looking at a picture of sort of an old woven basket with a lid on it. Mm -hmm. Imagine lifting that lid up and a woman coming out of it. But what if it wasn't woven material? What if it was metal? Okay. And the lid being lifted up as a talent of lead. Like an opening to like a craft. A, okay, like a UFO. Like a door, right? <laughs> and so a woman is in the midst of it, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. And he slammed it shut. Opened it up, a woman comes out, slams it shut. Okay. <laughs> Now, what's, what is about this woman? I don't know what it is. I mean, there's something yeah. about this woman. I believe it has to do with another mystery, 
which is it's a picture of something that's coming. And it's a picture of a woman in the Bible who's called Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. And we'll read about her eventually and talk about that one, another mystery. But she is a picture of religious adultery and idolatry. Okay? It's like a, a whoring woman. She's a bad woman. She's a Jezebel. Okay. Jezebel's a type of her. Okay? So the lid is slammed shut. And we don't know that she's bad yet until we read the next thing. Verse 9, then lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, so they must be angels, a female type of angel. Female angels? Uh Uh-huh. For they had wings like the wings of a stork. They're not storks, they're women, but they have wings like a stork. Mm -hmm. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. And then said I to the angel that talked with me, whither do these bear the ephah? Where are they taking it? Yeah. And he said unto me, to build it an house in the land of Shinar, S-H-I-N-A-R, Shinar, Shinar. That is Babylon. The land of Shinar is Iraq. Okay. Which is the Babylonian kingdom. Mm -hmm. And it shall be established in Shinar and set there upon her own base. Set upon a base. Hmm, interesting. Like yeah. military bases, like an Air Force base, <laughs> like a landing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but the idea is something interesting is going on because we're seeing there's something wicked with a flying roll with a curse associated with it and something that flies. It's an ephah and an angel is associated with it or two of them. Uh, and there's something wicked about it. So whoever these two angels are, the female angels, there's some they're associated with something wicked. Okay. And they take it to Babylon, where it's established in its base. Incidentally, in the Bible, after the flood of Noah that killed all the Nephilim and the giants, who were the product of angels marrying wives of men, or the daughters of men, remember? Mm -hmm. After the flood, when men began to populate on the earth again, the first thing they did was they went to build a city. And they built a city with a tower that would reach unto heaven. And that was Genesis chapter 11. And God came down and stopped them because what they were doing was bad. And he confounded their language and scattered them abroad upon the face of the earth. And that's why you have nations and languages. Okay. At the beginning, all men were the same, human race. Mm -hmm. We have genetic differences, but we were all humans, right? The scattering allowed certain genes to become dominant and certain to become recessive. So some people in certain regions might develop darker skin. Or dark eyes. Some people develop fair skin and red hair and blue eyes or whatever. Mm -hmm. We came from the same place. Yeah. We're all the same red blood. But the scattering caused the differences to appear because what they were involved in when they were unified with one language was satanic. And God had to come down and stop it. And the name of the city they were building was Babel. Babylon. So... Back to Babel is what's happening here. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that what men were trying to do in building that tower was saying to the fallen angels, come back. We want your wisdom. We want your knowledge. We want to evolve to be gods like you. Terrible. As the serpent promised Eve, as they were probably doing when they intermarried, Mm -hmm. and they're asking them to come back. They were probably building a giant landing pad 
the Tower of Babel was designed or the UFO. reaching up to heaven. What was in heaven anyway? Fallen angels. Yeah. Come back and give us the secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. When they appear, when they're cast out of heaven, why wouldn't they appear as where the aliens come to bring you technology? What if they have crafts like Ezekiel saw that are that can move like lightning? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, because we're almost out of time, I want to close with this idea. There's a documentary that's been recently released called The Phenomenon. Okay. It explores recently declassified U.S. government documents proving that UFOs are real. Not Earl in the field saying, yeah, this thing landed in my field and uh, nobody else saw it but me. (laughs) These are like Top Gun pilots, Mm -hmm. but they've been classified. They've never released it. They released all the stuff where Earl said, I saw swamp gas. Yeah. But they didn't release these. These are guys that are real pilots and they're the best of the best, men and women who fly, and all of a sudden they're saying, what the blank? Yeah. That thing came out of nowhere. I can't lock radar on it, and it zooms like lightning. And so what's clear is the flying craft that they've seen have capabilities and material far more advanced than any technology or capabilities known to man. Mm -hmm. Now, I recommend anybody try to rent or watch that movie, The Phenomenon, because it really does expose the truth about that. It's one source of many, but there's a lot of bad sources out there. So I'm only going to refer to the ones that I feel like are credible. Okay. All right. So this one's a pretty good one. I would love to reach out to the director of that and maybe see if we can get him as a guest on the podcast. But the bottom line is there's something out there. They're not really aliens. They're angels. The fallen angels have the same technology that God's angels had all those years back. So why wouldn't they fly in spacecraft? And I think we're going to have to make this a part two because I only covered about half of what I want to discuss. Ooh, a part two. Are you guys ready for that? <laughs> I hope you'll tune in then for uh, next uh, episode because I think we'll do that. We'll continue on angels and UFOs and we'll make it a part two because I want to get into what they might be up to genetically. Yes. Manipulating humanity because mm-hmm. it's going to come back to this thing about the mark of the beast. I want to pose an idea to you. What if the mark of the beast is... Take this injection so you can evolve to the level of us. We were your ancestors. You were all monkeys and we seeded our DNA and you evolved to become men. And now we're ready to bring you the next step, which is this injection. It goes in your head. It goes in your hand and you'll become gods like us. Maybe there's something about this mark that ties into what they're about to do. Don't take the injection. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take the mark. Well, thank you guys for joining us this week. Um, If you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a like as well as share and subscribe. And then also leave some comments down below on things that you would like us to improve on and what you enjoy most about our podcast. And we really do appreciate you being here with Bible Mysteries. Join us again next week. Until then, have a wonderful day. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com.
Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.